Amen. Good morning, Roto Guy Church. It's great to be together. We, uh, again, appreciate everybody's flexibility and willingness to come indoors and everybody working together uh, to keep each other safe. But it is great to be in person and see each other's faces. It's uh, really been since March since we've been in here uh, worshiping. If you can believe that, we're over seven months in. But uh, there are many of you here on Facebook. Um, and there are many of you that are going to be watching this later, so we're, we're glad you're here with us. Uh, if you have a Bible, flip over to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to have a, a sermonian, as Cliff mentioned, uh, this morning already. So great to have our song leaders up here, and uh, great to be indoors. It's a beautiful day outside, which is, uh, again, you know when you're calling the shots, it's always beautiful weather whenever I'm, you know, yeah, I, I'm like over 20 now. But anyway, it's, it is great to be in here. Uh, but Matthew chapter 10. And uh, we'll be continuing our, our study on the 12 being sent out, uh, picking up here in, uh, in verse 9, where we ended last week. Uh, but here this is a, a journey that they're being sent out on. And Jesus gives them their marching orders, their, their details, their itinerary as to what they're all going to be doing or what they'll be about. You know, we understand that at this time the 12 apostles are essentially being sent out here. But we know there's overlap to all those who claim and desire to be followers of Jesus. That there is authority that's given to these men that is not transcended to us. However, the heart of this, uh, this itinerary, this message, this proclamation, and their journey can really be applied for us this morning. So today what we're going to talk about is being peace givers. Being peace givers. Now, if you've been paying attention to the news lately, there's been uh, something big that's happened to our country. And a lot of folks have, uh, have, have rightly so, and in some cases said, okay, now, now we can kind of get on with things. And there's lots of us in the world that perhaps are like, oh no, we don't know what's gonna happen. And there's a shakeup of peace. And peace is really being grasped for at this point, no matter what side of the aisle or whatever, whatever uh, political ideals you may have. But as disciples of Jesus, and as the Gospels presented to us this morning, we know and need to be reminded of that peace is not attainable without Jesus. That real peace, peace that transcends understanding, peace that ultimately helps us to make sense of the world and gives us for foresight into what really matters, is not capable, is not graspable without Jesus. You can't attain true peace. Now, many of us think peace just means the absence of conflict, which if you've been alive long enough, you realize that, you know what, you can have peace in the household, you can have peace in the classroom, peace in the neighborhood, uh, you can have peace politically, but that doesn't mean that we're free of conflict, that war isn't happening. Uh, only a handful of decades ago, we had the Cold War where there was no war, but was there peace? Absolutely not. So first off, before we can be peace givers, we've got to believe what we have actually gives us peace. Now as disciples, there are plenty of times where we've lacked peace. And what does it mean to lack peace? Well, you've got anxiety that rules. You've got worry, fear, doubt. We have a concern or care for other people's opinions of us rather than the opinion of God or his promises. We've got to first understand that what we have really does give us peace. Just think about any product in the world, even as we talk about being indoors. You know, if, I, if, we, 
if we talked about being indoors for the first time and we just presented it like, you know what? This is not gonna be good, but please come. Please come, it's really gonna be adverse to your outlet, but you should come. You know, again, it's not gonna be, it's not a great selling point. If you don't really believe in what you're presenting, people aren't gonna to wanna to be a part of that. Now, I'm not advocating lying. Again, we feel very safe in what we're doing here. However, when it comes to the gospel, to be a peace giver, you've gotta first know that your message truly brings peace. There's challenges in our world and in the kingdom of God where the gospel is attacked all the time. That's nothing new. But there's a tendency in our world, for good reason sometimes and for just because it's easier to say, that the church isn't the answer. That the gospel isn't the answer. That the gospel divides, the gospel creates war, the gospel creates hate, all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's, a, that's a view of the world. And it's easy for that to seep into my heart and maybe your heart. That when the world gets uglier and we might not see the victories within our church or growth within our church, it's easy to start questioning, do we have this on right? Is our message really going to bring change? Being disciples and being righteous and being holy, will it really, will it really allow our community to heal and to grow? Have you ever questioned? Your message, the message of the gospel, have you really questioned its effectiveness at any point? You ever wondered if it really is the solution? It might not just be on a macro level, but even on a micro level. I mean, think about the wonderful young professionals that we have, our unmarried young professionals that strive for holiness, Amen. strive for purity, strive to, be, to go against the grain of the TikTok, Snapchat, tinder world where relationships are built with a foundation on jesus rather than you know what you're attractive and i swiped right or left for you or whatever it is but you know what we've got a number of things in common we both enjoy the outdoors we both like hiking we both laugh at the same jokes we both love the office you know oh, we should meet and then we should where foundations are built on what we have in common but not the most important thing in jesus and let me be the first one to tell you that sometimes being a disciple, well, not sometimes, all the time, being a disciple, it shrinks the fishing pole for the singles, for the young professionals. Your, your fishing hole is drastically reduced to people who are in the Lord. And we should be picky. That it's not just, hey, you're a disciple, I'm a disciple, let's do this. No, it's, are you a strong disciple? Do you love God? Amen. Or are you putting your hope in this relationship? So what I'm here to say is that your fishing pole is even shrunk even more. Okay. So what am I saying? It's hard to swim against the stream. And it's, it's easy to question, you know what? Is being a disciple worth it? Is it going to work out in something that I desire big time? A relationship to be loved. To actually have that, to be married perhaps. And it's easy not just in the macro level of, man, are we really making any progress as a church in our world? But it's another thing to look at our lives individually and say, man, am I really making the progress in my own desires? 
through living out this gospel of peace. And it's easy to start saying and questioning, I don't know if this message is really as true as it once was. I'm not really sure this is really going to be the answer for the world. I'm not picking on the young professionals. That's just really, it, it, it's there. And I remember as a, as a college student, proclaiming discipleship and knowing how challenging it was to follow Jesus full-time and be a full-time student. And being able to communicate, hey, you know what? We've got Bible talk on Tuesday night. We have devotional on Friday night. We drive 35 minutes to church on Sunday, right? And uh, by the way, we, we, we meet up all the time. We're always hanging out. And then I meet my fellow engineering students and I'm like, yeah, man, I've got these things that I'm doing. I'm really excited about it. It's not like a chore, but they're like, man, I barely have enough time to study as it is. How in the world am I gonna add all these things, even though they're desirable, to, to my life? And even just the, the, the expectation or the desire to build relationships within the church was a hefty price to count for a lot of college students who they didn't realize yet, and I didn't yet, that they had the most time they're ever going to have in that moment. But I remember questioning, am I burdening my friends with this gospel of peace? Am I creating more difficulty in their lives, more responsibility, more things where they're gonna feel the weight of their decisions? And that's just meetings of the body. I mean, how many of us have felt that? Coming home from work, on, well, we've been all Zooming it lately, which is a little easier, but even still, come home from work, long day, and what's, really, do you wanna sit down at your computer and stare at the screen for another hour? Especially if you spent your whole day sitting down and watching a screen? I mean, really, it's, it's like, ah, oh, do I wanna invite someone to that? Do I wanna invite someone to these high standards where the world, it's so easy to just mosey along and get what you want? So to speak. Are you with me? So there's more. There's more than that that we could really ponder and question, and I'm sure you have. And I want you to think about what are some of the questions you've had about this gospel of peace in its ability to truly affect our world and bring peace to it. Because those questions are real and they impact how willingly we'll go do what Jesus is about to tell us right here to do. It affects me and it affects you. So these 12 were excited about this new message and they were excited to go, but then the itinerary got a bit strict. In verses nine through 15, let's read together if you're there with me. You with me? It's so great to hear voices. I cannot tell you how awesome this is. Even if it's just like 40 of us in here, like I've been staring at my screen, seeing myself. And I don't see myself today, and it is so great. So great. This is just a one-way camera. There's no reflection. Praise God. I don't have to look at my receding hairline anymore. But you can. So congratulations. Don't get too distracted. It does move during service. All right, verse 9. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. 
If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. We'll stop there for now. You know, peace givers is what God has called us to be. In verse 13, it says there, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If you fast forward to the extension of, of the disciples from 10 to 72, in Luke 10, it says, say peace. And if they accept it, go into their home. There is a message of peace that Jesus wants us to give. That the very gospel in of itself is one of peace. Not of peace, peace where we get along and we don't have any disagreements, but peace as the letters that Paul writes says that the peace that we're given tears down the dividing wall of hostility between us and God. So the gospel is the answer to our biggest problem, the division that's been created by sin. And the divisions that we see in the world, we believe, and this is an oversimplification, but the turmoil, the social injustice, the systemic racism, the bigotry, the pride, the arrogance, the root of all those things is sin. And it might sound oversimplified, but as disciples, it all boils down to if there's any division in the world, James chapter 2 says, it's because of selfish ambition that there's every kind of evil in the world. Selfish pride destroys relationships. I mean, try it on your spouse. That's just one other person. Try selfish ambition in your home and start to see the chaos unfold. Expand it to a business office where the boss and the higher-ups are all selfishly ambitious and watch that trickle down into the associates and watch chaos unfold. Expand that greater to government and citizens all selfishly thinking you're here for me and I'm here for you or you're here for me, no, you're here for me and everyone's out for themselves. Get ready for chaos and division. Bigger and bigger we go. The world at its root is all about self. And when self is the goal, chaos and division is the result. And we've seen that play out in our world, and we'll see it again. But the gospel solution is to not live for self and therefore actually achieve peace. The world says live for self and you'll get peace. Find what you're looking for and then you'll have peace. Get that girlfriend, get that spouse, get that raise, get that job, get that zip code, get that street address, get that health, get that body, get that image, and then you'll have peace. The gospel says, no, 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 no. Selfish pursuits just for self and not kingdom will not result in peace. It will result in more chaos. So here Jesus says, this message I give you is to go and find and give peace to the world. The way that happens is the disciples going into people's homes, receiving hospitality. Receiving hospitality is how you give peace to the world. Now, back to our young professionals and our campus students and teens. Someone giving you free food 
is the way to bring peace to the world. You were right all along. Again, it's this expectation where I'm going to go and receive hospitality. I'm going to go into people's lives and receive from them what they have to give. Now here it's their home. But we understand that when they went into people's homes, it wasn't just going to be dinner party after dinner party after dinner party. When you spend time in someone's home, what do you see? You see dynamics. You see pain. The longer you're there, what happens? Vulnerability. People start to share their discomforts, their hurts, their questions, their deepest longings. We kind of have this image of like, yeah, I'm here, and they sit, they put down whatever's in front of me. This is a nice buffet line for a little bit, and then I'm off to the next house. Well, Jesus says, stay there as long as you can. Why? Because peace and being a peace giver doesn't just happen when you show up and take what people have to say or take what they give you, but you spend time long enough to get to know who they are, their deepest longings their deepest pains, their questions, how they're disenchanted with the life that they have, with the world, or their leaders, or their church, or their friends, or even their own family. All those things come out. And Jesus says, stay there. If someone embraces the peace, having you there, then stay long enough to hear all that comes with being in someone's home. That's our call as peace givers. But it starts with, do I believe my message brings peace? Do I believe this actually has healing abilities? Does this actually have changing properties? And it surely does. And we've got to think about when you receive peace from the gospel, in what form did it come in? Did it come in the form of easy living? Did it come in the form of a new relationship? Did it come in the form of more money? No, it came in the form of a clear conscience, knowing that you were loved more than you deserved. It came in the form that there is a, a Jesus who died and resurrected for us. That's always our message, is to preach him crucified. We get into trouble when peace starts becoming about how snazzy our services are or are not. Our message gets weird when it becomes about Pastor John, which please don't call me that. <laughs> when it comes about, have you heard this? Have you heard this? Have you seen this kid's kingdom? Have you seen this or that? And I think being a traveling church in a lot of ways makes it a little bit easier for us to know, you know what? If we got any chance, it's gotta be the gospel. Because we really don't have anything. We got a lot of great things. But we know in our heart of hearts, like, come on, man, we're not stacking up with the big boys out there. It's got to be the gospel. And I think that's the right thing. Think about how peace that Jesus' gospel, the peace that break, broke down the barrier of hostility, what that brought you. You know, David had to pray in the Psalms over and over and over again to restore the joy of his salvation. That's got to be our prayer all the time. Make me happy to be a disciple. Make me excited. Help me to be excited about being right with God again. Are you stale? Again, this is the first time I've seen a lot of you in person preaching. 
It's easy to get stale in these last seven months. It's easy to lose your steam about being a disciple. It's easy to let the, the, the pandemic and the isolation to actually steal your joy from those, especially of us, who are building our joy from connection with people rather than the introverts out there that feel like more alive than ever. Anybody? Yeah? Gabrielle? Yes! Living her best life. If I'm honest, there's been some great days alone myself too. But anyway, that these things can really, can really whittle us down. And it's time to break out of that fog and start with, oh my goodness, this peace came to me. I've got to be excited about what God has done. I've got to be exhilarated by the gospel message that came and rested in my home and brought peace that transcends understanding. That's where we start as disciples and as a church. Because only then will you be willing to follow Jesus' instructions on how to be a peacekeeper. Think about what he says here in verses 9 through 10. He strips you of all the norms that a traveler would rely on. If you go back to the Mishnah, which is you know, an, an ancient writing, no gold, no silver, no belts, no bag, no shirt, no sandals, nor staff is meant to send a message to all those who watch, watch those men travel. By seeing them not have these things, it communicated to the world that they were singular in their purpose. These men weren't walking around trying to, to rely on anything else, figure out anything out. Blah, blah, blah. No, these men were clearly relying on the message that they brought to sustain them. That they were so singular in their mindset, so intentional in their purpose, that people could see them by the way they lived their lives, by what they, what, by what they carried along with them, could determine, okay, that guy's really serious about his message. So what's Jesus communicating to us in order to be peace givers? That's got to be your biggest focus. That's got to have the most, that's got to be the most intentional thing that you're about as a disciple. That these things symbolically, bag, bags, gold, silver, staff, these can be baggage, literally things you're tacking along with you. You've got, the head, you've got the roof kit on top of your car of discipleship to bring all those things because just in case you can go back to what you want to rely on. In case it gets hard, in case it gets messy, in case it gets questionable, I've got this to fall back on. What's Jesus saying about those who want to be peace givers? There's no back door. There's no fallback plan. There's no plan B. There's no, you know what, if this gets difficult, I've got something to fall back on. You know, Jesus says, anyone who follows me, you know what, I've got nowhere to lay my head. You know, have we, in one sense, because of our desire to have things peaceful and have things easy, and I'm the first in line for all that, have we manipulated the gospel of peace to somehow make it easier thinking that it would actually bring more peace. If I can make it easier, less demanding, less challenging, less intentional, that will actually be, bring more peace. Because my peace is actually really what I'm after. Not God's peace for them, but my peace. 
I want my peace, as it says here in verse 13, if they're not deserving, or they're, if they're not, then let your peace return to you. Meaning that there's a possibility, as we go out bringing and being peace givers, that our peace, our, our peace that we have to give, will be harmed, or will be impacted, or affected. And now our peace is reliant upon how people receive it. So I've done that. I've reached out to lots of people who had nothing to, wanted nothing to do with this and more heartbreaking and many of us who have been around have experienced this. You've given your life to someone. You spent time pouring out the gospel of peace to them. You're actually friends. Your agenda was not agenda driven just to give you the gospel but actually not live your life as well. You had all that. And then they decide, no, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want to be a disciple. It's too much. And that hurts. It hurts to see people walk away. We've seen people here in the RBC become disciples and walk away for the things that we know, and I believe they know, won't last. The, the temporary fix, the temporary encouragement, and those things hurt. I mean, how many of us have lost sleep over people who are not doing well spiritually? How many of us have lost sleep over friends that we poured ourselves into, giving you the text message or the phone call or the Marco Polo or the box that says, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to be a disciple anymore. I'm going back to the world. I mean, I can't count on two hands and two feet how many people I've personally studied with who have turned away in 16 years. I can see them all in my mind right now. The joy of their repentance, the joy of their baptism, the joy of friendship and, and, and devotionals and meals and deep talks and prayers that we had together. And then one day over a series of days, they pull away, they drift, they're enamored by the world, something else they want to hang on to in their journey. And now the gospel of peace isn't bringing them peace. They're relying on their staff or their gold or something tangible to bring them the whole way through. And as disciples, we know it's not what we see or what we can grasp or accumulate that's going to inspire us to stay on this journey of being peace givers. It's got to be the one who sent us, and it's got to be the message that's in our lungs that motivates us. That's why we start with that peace coming our way first before we can ever be inspired or to persevere in bringing it to others. But how's your peace this morning? And what does it rely on? Are you more peaceful because Biden's in the office now? Amen. If it's, it's not biblical peace, but you might be relieved but now are you more hopeful in the world because someone's in office? You can be, but know this, it's not going to last. Is your peace disrupted because someone's not gonna be in office anymore? Again, maybe so, but it's not going to be a peace that lasts if he remained or if he or she, whomever comes in one day. 
Is your peace restored? On, on finances, when the bills come in, when the bills stop coming in or the checks come in, again, those are temporary and fleeting moments of peace. But what we've got to understand is our peace must rest in God's gospel, in who he is and what he's done for us. I encourage us to think about two things as we get ready to share communion together. One, is the gospel still the main belief that brings peace in your life? Is it still the main motivation of peace in your life? To contemplate the very message of the gospel that Jesus died for sinners and was raised to life for our justification. That's the gospel. And that's the only thing that's going to give peace. Is that still your biggest and then secondly, how has your peace been affected during this quarantine? Contemplate the ways your peace has been unsettled. Because if you don't see those things, you're not going to be able to see what you're grasping in addition to the gospel. You won't see what you're relying on and therefore really not, not going after everything God wants us to go after here. So for me, it is easy for me to grasp to my health. How am I feeling? My anxiety goes up and down based on how I'm feeling. If I have stomach pains, woo, I'm unsettled. If, I've, if I'm feeling great and energetic, I'm at peace. But again, these things are, again, they change every single day. And some of us depend on, well, how, how's our spouse treating us? Again, it impacts your peace, but again, it roots, it, it really digs at our hearts to say, what are we really relying on? If our kids obey us, oh, mercy. My kids are awesome. I don't know about yours. My kids obey me all the time. And therefore, I really are never shaken by them. But you, I can only imagine how difficult the ups and downs of teenagers in the household, our teen row over here. I mean... Bruce still has a lot of hair, but man, you're, you're helping. You're not helping the cause. No, no, no. But if it's relying upon children and how they are, or young adults and how they are, or, or what comes across the news feed on Fox or CNN or CBS or wherever you get your news, if that's what you're bringing along in the journey, you're going to lose out on the very piece of the gospel. It's just a matter of time. So for us as disciples, let's remember where the message of peace comes from. And let us really beg God to have him show us what we might want to take along the journey that he's clearly said, uh-uh, I want you to have a singular focus and rely totally on me. Next week when we get together, we're going to look at 16 verse 20. And these are marching orders as to how we're meant to go and be those peace givers. And the truth is, when we go, it's not peaceful out there. And what do you expect? Without the gospel infiltrating hearts, there will be. There will be difficulty. There will be division. But disciples who have the gospel, who are rooted in it, we can go right into those situations and not have our peace impacted whatsoever. That we can be men and women who are secure, who are singular, and never lose our peace as we go about being peace givers.
Let's contemplate that as we take communion. If you haven't gotten your communion cup, you just raise your hand. We'll have our, an usher come by and drop one off for you. We're going to go ahead and pray for communion. And again, contemplate how peace came your way. And contemplate where things can be shaken in your heart through this time. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, God, we ask you and thank you for, for who you are and how you've really shaken up the world to remind us what, how peace really comes. God, we, we cling to our health. We cling to relationships. We cling to tangible things that we can experience that really make, make us think our lives are going well. Everything's falling into place. And while you want us to have those things, you desire for us to have those things, they're great things that we have in jobs and family and relationships to be loved by, by one another. Those are great things. But God, it's not the ultimate thing. Please forgive us for, for grasping onto tangible, temporary things. Forgive us for overinflating people in our lives rather than, than really seeing you as the ultimate source of peace. God, we pray for our country, we pray for our hearts, we pray for the community to be ready to accept your message of peace. That uh, whatever you've really set apart for our country as in your sovereignty, as you've ushered in this new, this new time, God, please let its biggest result be that the gospel can move more freely than ever before. That our greatest desire is that the gospel can infiltrate our community, infiltrate hearts, to bring about re real peace. We pray for our local leaders. We pray for, we pray for the governor. We pray for the mayor. We pray for our state senators. We pray for the House of Representatives. We pray for our president current and our president-elect. We pray that the gospel of peace would go into their hearts, would infiltrate their lives, so that your gospel can truly bring the peace. And God, we pray for us as a church. Help us to have the joy of our salvation restored to us. Help us to cling deeply to how you've knocked down the wall of hostility by your son dying on the cross. Let us experience that tangibly, the joy that comes from being right with you. And then God, equip us, prepare us to be peace givers that believe your message is the ultimate peace source. And help us to really just shake off and be unhindered in all the things that we carry around with us in this world that keep us from truly relying on you. We love you. We ask that you be with our time here. We ask you be with all those who are on Facebook, that they joined us here in worship. We ask all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.